Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The oceans of the world occupy 70% of the Earth's surface. They encompass 99% of the space available to living organisms, and yet only about 10% has been explored. To continue quoting percentages, 90% of this habitable uh, of this habitat exists in the deep sea, more accurately referred to as the abyss. Our one-shot scenario is entitled Echoes of the Deep. It was written by Matt Ryan and Noel Lloyd, and it's available from Reckoning of the Dead website. I'm your game master. Let's go ahead and introduce our players. Stuart, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm uh, Jack, Jack Cousteau. Went to UCLA, topped class out. Got a great offer over at Miskatonic University to help head up one of their uh, marine biology departments. I cannot wait to see how our uh, our trip goes. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. Still meeting some of the faculty. This is going to be great. I think you're the head, the lead. Aren't it's going to be really great. Great <laughs> <laughs> question. <laughs> is echoes of the deep or is echoes in the deep echoes in the deep what did i say you said of <laughs> i don't know why i keep wanting to say echoes <laughs> of the deep um uh second in command uh or second in charge uh kermit oh uh, hi um my name's kermit lefroig uh lefroig like uh like the scotch a lot of people uh a lot of people get my last name wrong. It's weird, um, but I'm I, I'm the junior um, marine biologist under under Jack. Um, I've I've worked with him for a little while now. Um, he's a, he's a pretty rad dude. Um, I think this is the fir- yeah this is the first submarine trip I'm going to be on, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Zane, how about you? Hi, um, I am Judah, Judah Locke. Um, I originally was born in Auckland, New Zealand, um, but I moved to San Diego, California uh, when I was 16. That's uh, where my mum was from. Um, I joined the, uh, the Navy um, after school, um, became a Navy SEAL, um, uh, did a few tours. Uh, once I got back uh, on home soil, um, uh, they were doing some tests for uh, Miskatonic were doing some some deep sea diving stuff and they needed some divers so I volunteered and I've uh, been working for them ever since Morton I'm James Baxter I've um, always had a fascination with the ocean growing up um, and I've also always loved to dive uh, and I've always loved boats, so becoming a submersible pilot just seemed like the right career path for me. Um, I've been do I've been piloting submersibles all for the, about the last 15 years on various scientific expeditions. Uh, the submersible I'm piloting now is Neptune's Promise. Uh, she is one of the finest submersibles I've ever had the uh, pleasure of piloting, and I will be responsible for getting us down to where we need to go. All right. 
players are ready, let's, let's begin our journey into the darkness. The year is 2020. The USS Whitaker, a Lockheed Virgin, Virginia-class nuclear-powered submarine, has just departed Norfolk uh, Naval Shipyards in Virginia. On her present course, she should reach the Falkland Island in nine days. Attached to the top of her hull is a highly advanced deep-sea submersible on loan from Miskatonic University in Massachusetts. It's called Neptune's Promise. Her crew accompanies her. So as you all um, are being brought on board the ship, as it's getting ready to depart, uh, you meet uh, uh, Lieutenant Commander James Byron. He's the executive officer, second in command on board the ship. Uh, gentlemen, uh, welcome aboard. Is this your first time on a, uh, a submarine? The very first time out, out here. I've never been on a, a sub this big before, Commander. This is an amazing piece of equipment you've got. Well, she's a, she's a big ship, all right. Uh, 377 feet long. Uh, we've got three decks. Uh, uh, come on, I'll, I'll give you a, a look around. Uh, I, I'm sorry the captain couldn't be here. He's making preparations for getting underway. So taking care of you at the moment is my job. I'll show you around. Uh, the submarine itself is uh, very efficient, very compact. Uh, you might find it getting a little cramped. Um, if you have any medical needs, we do not have a doctor on board. What we have is um, a gentleman we call, uh, he is the uh, uh, corpsman, uh, uh, Corey Lane, Dr. Corey Lane. We call him Dr. He is Dr. Corey Lane. Uh, but he is not, um, he, he's basically a man of all trades. Uh, he is the one to see if you have any illnesses. Um, he has an assistant, uh, Matthias Adams. I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, we are on a classified mission uh, at the moment, and we will not be surfacing until, well, until our mission is complete. Um, but that also means that uh, try not to have any major medical issues because we will not turn around uh, until the mission is finished. Righteous. Uh, I'll do my best not to have a heart attack. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. If you have an appendicitis, uh, we can probably fix you up, but we'll, we'll have to do it on board the ship. Um, uh, the command center has three levels. Uh, the captain is usually on the second level, the central level. Um, we have a large complement of nuclear missiles. Uh, there are six officers. Um, nine junior officers. Uh, the, the, the six officers have been aboard the ship a number of times. Uh, the junior officers, this will be their first voyage. And we have 120 regular crew. Um, and he takes you into the, the mess hall. Uh, this is the ward room. Uh, there are two parts. There's the officer's mess and there is the regular crew mess. Uh, you'll be eating in the officer's mess with the uh, the officers, unless you want to eat 
with the regular crew. Um, the food here is superb. We have probably some of the best food in the military. Um, and as he says that, you can smell bread baking aboard the ship. Oh, that smells uh, good. He's like, yes, uh, that's them making bread. Uh, it's actually easier to bring the bulk ingredients for making bread along with us and making it on board here rather than bring all that bulky bread. Uh, let's see, the missile room. He takes you in there and you see all their nuclear missiles. Uh, the nuclear missile room is three stories high. And uh, I realize that you're not part of the regular crew, so you're going to end up having a lot of free time. Um, if you go up to the third level above the missiles, uh, if you run three times around, if you run 17 times around the missiles, that's one mile. We figured that out <laughs> over the course of time. So you can get some exercise that way. Um, uh, the cook, we call him the chop. And um, these will be your bunks. He shows you to your bunks. Now the bunks are three high. Bunk, bunk, bunk on two sides, going down a very narrow corridor. Uh, and the bunks are just pretty much high enough to squeeze into and get some sleep. But it's basically you're sleeping in a coffin with not much more room than a coffin. Uh, there's, there's no real privacy either. Uh, there's a curtain, but there's just a thin curtain between you and all the other crew members who are sleeping at a time. Uh, the crew run on eight-hour shifts. Um, the officers run on 24-hour shifts. So they, they work for 24 hours, and then they get 24 hours off. Commander, do you know how long it will uh, take us to get to the target zone? It'll take us nine days to get to the Falkland Islands, and it'll take us about a day to get to the, uh, the trench. Um, let's, uh, let's step in here and I'll give you a little bit of information on what the mission is. Um, part of the mission, as I said, was classified. So we couldn't really talk about it until we got here. Um, we told the university that what we needed you for was to do some surveying for us, uh, in the Sandwich Island Trench. That's partially true. Um, a few days ago, uh, satellites, uh, three NOS satellites, um, that's a Naval Ocean Surveillance System, uh, detected a nuclear signature. Um, we can usually detect uh, any kind of submarine uh, nuclear-powered submarine, wherever they are in the world, by finding its nuclear signature under the water. We can see to a certain depth, but the resolution, the deeper it goes, the, the, the less resolution we get. We detected a signal coming from the, sandwich, the South, South Sandwich Island Trench uh, at a depth estimated to be five to six kilometers beneath the surface. 
which is deeper than any submarine that we know of can go. We are uh, concerned that one of our uh, rivals on the planet may have invented a submarine that can go far deeper. Uh, and the concept of a nuclear-powered, uh, nuclear-carrying submarine that is traveling that deep beneath our, beneath our ability to detect or even defend against uh, is too much to handle. We need to get there. We need to locate the signal, and we need to discover what it is, in fact. Um, that's why we need you to be able to go down. It's moving. We detect that it's moving, not very quickly, but it's moving along the bottom of the trench um, northward. Has, so, uh, ha has geologic activity been ruled out yet? Oh, uh, we don't, we, we can't, don't see any kind of geological uh, activity. Hmm. Nor can we tell exactly what kind of uh, nuclear signature this is. Like I say, the resolution at that depth is, is not very strong, but uh, we don't really have any choice. If, if our enemies have created, it, it could, you know, I don't even want to think about it. Um. I have a bit of an odd question. Sure. Is there a way to up amp up my life insurance policy? <laughs> I don't think that there's any danger. Well, you know, if it is a, a Ruski submarine down there and they decide to uh, have a little bit of target practice with my little submersible. I think that there will be, well... I don't want to say anything um, one way or the other, because the truth is there is some risk. Um, but we don't anticipate any great deal of risk. Uh, your, your submersible is rather small. Um, even the, uh, the, the maneuvering thrusters on it are fairly small. Uh, it's likely that a submarine would barely be able to detect it at all. So I think that you're okay. We just need a better picture of it. And uh, your submersible has a drone as well on a tether. Um, so you don't necessarily have to get completely close to whatever it is. Any other questions? Well, gentlemen, if you need anything, you can talk to me. Uh, feel free to talk to the crew. Don't, uh, don't distract them from their jobs. We have a regular maintenance schedule. Um, we don't wait for anything on board this ship to wear out or break down. Everything is changed on a regular basis. So if you see men repairing things, they're simply replacing parts that have passed their, uh, their requirement for being replaced. We have a lot of a lot of replacement parts, or, or a lot of parts that have been replaced. They're perfectly good, if you know what I mean. We sell those to the Ruskies. All right, gentlemen, uh, please make yourself at home. Uh, we do have computer stations. We do have a library of books, um, not not real books, books on, on 
thing. You have internet access. Uh, you will not, however, be able to contact uh, or telephone out uh, as we're on a, a mission. Completely understand, Commander. All right. So try to enjoy yourselves. Uh, it's going to be kind of boring. Well, give us time to like go over our equipment, make sure everything's in tip-top shape on our side. Of course, you have access to your ship. Perfect. Your your submer oh, he leaves. Your submersible is actually attached to the top of the submarine. Um, so you go basically towards the back of the submarine, and then there's an access hatch going up into your submarine. You can do that anytime you want. You know, if you want to, for those of you who have not been in a submersible before, if you can just crawl into your little coffin beds here and just sit there for about 16 hours plus, you know, that will, that should help prepare you. Not a lot of room in the submersibles. There is enough room for four, tightly. Very tight. Well, that sounds, uh, that, that sounds thrilling. Just to be able to go down that deep, I've never gone down that far before. Been on plenty of surveys below, but not that deep. Judah, you uh, you dive. What have you gone down very deep before, or you're more or less shallow and mid-level deep dives? Oh no no, um, I've gone uh, I've gone fairly deep, not that deep, obviously. Um, but um, you know, we've, uh, when I was in the Navy Steels, we we uh, we went. Uh, as deep as probably just over half of that. Fantastic. Now, Judah, being with her, and see that you've kept your physique up from being in the Navy SEAL, so you're going to make that tight fit in the in the promise even tighter. Huh. Yeah, yeah, but uh, luckily uh, I'm I'm used to these sorts of bunks and everything, so um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to cope fine in the in the tight squeeze. Excellent, excellent. This uh, coming on this uh, on this subs kind of like coming home to it in a <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and James, uh, you, I mentioned there's a you have a drone, one or two drone probe drones on yeah, your uh, one. Yeah, I, there, there, there's a drone. All right. Oh, that gives good. you a bit more range of surveying because you can only you can only go so far with just when you tether down. So that gives you a bit more leeway with your with your yeah. search area once you're down there. So and they're so they're tethered out. So the drone has a tether that so stays. Our, our submarine will stay tethered to. Like the submarine can't independently go down that far. Got it. It has to stay connected to the to the mothership. Yeah. Right. Your uh, the uh, Neptune's promise is kind of the equivalent of Challenger Deep. It's actually fairly large for a submersible, but it's still. I mean, we've seen in movies and stuff these little submersibles. This is much bigger than that because it's designed to go down into the Mariana Trench if it needs to. But then it's got this drone that if you get into tight spaces and you need to send something to look, you can send the drone in there and watch it all on camera. All I right. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm thinking more of the, uh, the those, those. You're thinking of the driving bell? Tiny, yeah, those little yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're uh, much larger than that. Times the town of Titanic. Okay. So, um, what do you all do? What do you occupy your time with? I make sure all of my uh, microbiology, all of uh, any equipment that I'm bringing along is 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 well maintained and operational. Okay. And uh, I offer uh, James uh, uh, any sort of assistance needing with, uh, you know, with going over anything. I'd love to learn as much as I can about our um, submersible. I'm going to check all of our diving equipment, uh, make sure there's no, like, issues with the, the gas tanks and stuff like that, um, and, and all the, the tubing and all that kind of thing, make sure everything's going to be okay if we do need to do some proper diving, um, make sure we've got all that equipment. Um, yeah, probably just go over things with James as well, um, as far as, as how he wants to go ahead. Because in my head, um, once we're down there, um, I know Jack's sort of leading the, the expedition, but I, in my head, from coming from the military background, once we're down in the submersible, James is, is head for me, because yeah. when shit goes south, he's the one I'm going to be... Um, he's going to know what to do, so I'm, totally. yeah, I'm kind of taking second command from James a little bit. That's what your submersible looks like. Oh, nice, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. All right. So you're going to check your gear. You're going to check your ship. You're going to make sure everything is in order. Everything is in order. Uh, it takes you an hour, maybe two hours. Um, and now you've got still nine days ahead of you. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to flag down, just in case they do have that heart attack uh, that I promised not to have, I would like to find Dr. Lane okay. and Matthias Adams. Um, you make some inquiries around, and eventually you find your way to um, Dr. Lane, Dr. Corey Lane. Uh, he is at the moment helping to change out some part on the boat, on the ship. It's actually a boat, the U-boat. Um, and uh, uh, he doesn't look like, much like a doctor. Looks more like a mechanic. And he says, uh, what can I do for you? Do you have any kind of medical emergency? And no, 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 no. But you're Dr. Lane, I presume? Yeah, amongst other things. No, just, you just call me Doc. Doc? Yeah. Well, Doc, you know, uh, just never can be too careful. Just wanted to know who you were. How to put a, you know, put a face to the name just in case, you know. I well, technically I'm, technically I'm called Corman. Um, and that's, uh, that's sort of a title. I'm sort of, sort of an enlisted man, sort of not an enlisted man. Uh, they bring me on board to do certain jobs. Uh, that they, they, they need done, and one of those is doctor. Um, I do have a I do have a degree, but it's not. I couldn't work at a hospital. I would have to continue my education to work in a hospital. Okay. Uh, does that make any sense? I yeah, can do yeah, simple yeah. things. I can do simple surgeries. 
Uh, I can certainly give you, I'm qualified to give you aspirin and things like that. But if you had a major, major injury, well. <laughs> well, let's not have any of those. I could do what I could, but. But you're, you're a, so you're a doc, not a, not a magician. Right. And they're not going to turn around and go back. You'd become a casualty of war. Well, a casualty of not war. Oh, that'd be exciting. Pretty memorable. Might be in like the papers or something. Or not. This is classified. No one will laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way that it is. He seems a very nice and likable fellow. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my assistant here. Uh, this is uh, uh, Matthias Adams. Uh, he is uh, enlisted. But he's just crew. So the way the place is kind of organized is you've got the captain. By the way, it's Captain Edward Taufer. Okay. Um, you've got the executive officer. He's the number, number one. Um, that's uh, James Byron. You met him. And then you've got four departments. You've got engineering, navigation, weapons, and supply. And each one of those has a chief officer. Would the engineering be the, the department that monitors our tether and assistance of our uh, dive? Uh, it would be good to make uh, friends with them. Well, Real no, actually, friends. actually, I, I don't want you to have misunderstood. There's no tether. The tether is between the drone and your submersible. Oh, okay, once, that's funny. Once you detach from the ship, you're on your own. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I was saying tether. Yeah, I was thinking of the documentary where they go down to the Titanic. Right. Like they're connected right. to it. But to sort of answer your question, yeah, anything that had to do with the ship or you know the operation of the mechanics of the ship—that's engineering. Righteous. Engineering itself. I'm not going to give you all the details because I've got I've got lists of names for all these people. But engineering takes care of electrical, mechanical, reactor, and uh, the reactor laboratory. Um, operations. Uh, they take care of the radio and the navigation. Uh, supply department takes care of the cook and the supplies and the medical corpsman. That's this guy. And uh, the weapons department takes care of the torpedoes, the sonar, the firing control, and the missiles. And you pretty much have access to the entire ship. I don't know. I don't know if they would restrict you going into the uh, the reactor area, but they might. Um, yeah. Out of interest, before I left the seals, what was my rank? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> um, I wouldn't, I'm only 35, so I'm not going to be there. Chief Flipper. <laughs> Excuse me. As I swallow, as I choke on water. As he drowns? Oh, no. Chief Flipper uh, Boy. Mm, I don't Sergeant. Know okay. Sergeant Locke. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'd probably, um, now, so. yeah, yeah, um, I'd probably, um, 
might introduce myself to some of the uh, some of the basic crew. Um, so like when when we have our next meal, I might actually I'll eat with the guys for the first meal with the officers um, mess. But then maybe for some of the like like lunch and stuff like that, I might go eat with the uh, with the crew, uh, introduce myself around and stuff like that. Okay. So let's let's do that. Let's move to a uh, uh, a, a lunch. Um, now the the crew is on a three rotation. The officers are on twenty four hours. So there's food available in the mess pretty much twenty four hours. Um, if you need something, if you're hungry, if you need coffee, you're going to find it. Okay, you'll find different people on on duty but it's the same thing they're there all right um so let's say you go in there and uh you all go in together because you're probably going to stay on the same schedule and judy you want to eat with the crew and how about the rest of you going to eat with the officers yeah for the for the first the first official getting to know the meal oh yeah for the for the first meal i'll, I'll eat with the officers all right yeah um, so you sit down, and the, the captain comes in, Captain Edward Toffer. Uh, he's a rather tall and thin man. Um, uh, so he's constantly having to slightly stoop down. For He's gotten used to that over the years. Uh, but other than that, he's a fairly um, dignified and uh, serious, serious man. Uh, he smiles, but his smiles are somewhat strained, and uh, he's very polite, uh, but he's not particularly talkative. The one who's talkative is uh, Executive Officer, Lieutenant Commander James Byron, his, his right hand. So James does most of the talking. Um, what do you think of our ship so far? It's amazing. Gigantic. It's... it's uh... It's a it's a real feat of technology. Well, it may seem large at the moment, and it's certainly larger than previous ones. But give it a few days, <laughs> yeah. you'll find it is a bit claustrophobic. I've already Especially... smacked my head five times. Yeah, <laughs> got to be careful on those doors. Yeah, it feels <laughs> a bit like uh, coming home for me a little bit. Oh, you were in the uh, the Navy before. Uh, Navy Steel. Yeah, Petty Officer ah. Second Class. Yeah, it might, might be a little cramped in here for you. Yeah. Seals are usually pretty big. But, uh, I'm, I'm better off than these guys. So other than the fact that the captain comes off as stiff, which maybe that's what captains are supposed to be, um, everybody else seems rather likable. Uh, you meet uh, uh, the chief engineer, uh, Mark Memminger, uh, the chief navigation officer, Kendrick Bailey, uh, the chief weapons officer, Claude uh, Saint-Germain, and chief uh, supply officer, uh, Ruben Endress. They all seem like they're people who do their jobs. 
This is really good food. Um, yes, uh, Air Force pilots and uh, submarine uh, operators get the best food in the military. It's funny, you always hear the the, the joke that the, the food's horrible, but uh, yeah, this is pretty good. Well, if you have to convince people to stay in, in a tight, cramped little area, I mean, this is one one incentive. Yes, I believe the Navy makes a point of having the best food they can. Because we are not native to water. So. On some of our longer missions, um, there are milestone points along the way where certain uh, things run out. And uh, usually by the end of the mission, we're, we're looking forward to a good steak or something like that. <laughs> so it doesn't last forever. Um, so Who cares about forever? We're living right now. It's true. Um, you are literally in one of the most technologically advanced objects on the planet. I think I can safely say that because the more technically advanced objects are not on the planet, they're in outer space. But probably very similar in, uh, in feel. Which leads me to think of what type of technology must be on the craft that we're searching for, if it indeed it is a craft. It's a it's frightening. Uh, it's a frightening idea that uh, that somehow another country, a foreign uh, rival, could uh, develop some sort of technology that would allow them to go so deep. Uh, you probably know well from the challenge from the uh, from your own ship, uh, the Neptune Promise. It's not easy. It's not easy to go down that deep. Um, so that would lead me something to, to go down that deep and have and, a nuclear reactor. Right. So what in the natural world could perhaps create such a signal, if at all? Or nothing. Nothing. No, okay. I don't think you're going to find much life down at that, that depth. Um, whales don't dive that deep. Uh, giant squid don't dive that deep. Um, now, the only thing is it's not moving very fast. So we don't know for sure exactly what it is. Uh, we should we should get, uh, well, we have to get to the trench. Once we're at the trench, we should be able to pinpoint its location. And then we can get you in close enough to where you can take a look. Is there a vessel there now monitoring it, or are we going to go in cold and try to catch up from an old location? No. The only thing monitoring it currently are the uh, the NOS satellites. Got it. I think we've got USA-423, USA-229, and OTS-674 focused on it right now. So they can see it. I just don't know what it is. Hmm. Well, we'll find it. I've so still how, got how my deep, I've still got um, my hopes on a vent, um, some sort of how, geological activity. How uh, deep is, is the sub we're in now? In the the sub that we're in now, yeah. we are currently at uh, three hundred meters. Okay, all right. 
so we're going to be going um once we i'm going to make note that uh once we get closer to actually going down and in, in, uh neptune's promise um i am going to be uh, making sure that jack and kermit have um full medical checks to make sure that their the tick is going everything fine um, i'm assuming james has obviously got the proper checks as it's he's a he's a pilot but the other two the civilians i want to make sure they're ready for the dive well one oh, thing I'm a civilian. Uh, the but symptoms to watch out for in yourselves are uh, the shakes. Yeah. Um, if you find that you're getting the shakes, talk to uh, talk to the corpsman, and uh, he can get you something for that. Uh, because that's uh, that's one of the first signs of uh, uh, it's kind of an neurosis that you uh, develop being under the water for that long. You shouldn't have any. I don't mean to frighten you with that. That's that's. You're only going to be in the ship ten days. You know, these are things that develop in people who are under here for six months. Mm. So, enjoy your stay. Please make yourselves at home. Um, I know it's a little like being in in prison, but you have video games and you have books to read and you have we actually offer classes um in fact if you wanted you could teach some classes i'm sure you all have things that you can share with the crew um you can talk to uh um talk to uh, officer uh uh, uh alex uh, bunder and uh he can put you on a schedule uh, if you want to take a class or if you want to teach a class, it'd be much appreciated. Certainly. James, do you think uh, over the course of the next few days, could we take a day or two to just go over the operations of the, of the uh, of uh, Neptune's Promise? I sure. In fact, really? I was thinking I'll, I'll go find uh, Alex Bunder and maybe offer a class on the basics of uh, submersible piloting. Please can't give anybody any practical hands-on experience, but we can go over the basics. Yeah, I think going down in a mission together, it'd be good to to have a, have good backup skills just in case of emergency. All right. So after your dinner, you wander about. You uh, you probably manage to see everything on board the ship that you can see within a few hours. Uh, you get tired, you go to bed, you sleep. Uh, next day you get up, uh, you have a delicious breakfast, you um, do whatever you want to do. Did you guys want to teach classes or take classes? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll teach a class on the submersible basics, submersible, okay. pilot, submersible piloting. So you do and that and you, go, and you go over the information that you wanted to go over, Jack. I, I can run through one of my uh, one of my earlier uh, underwater biology lessons. You know, gill structure and uh, sure. Yeah. I'm gonna take James's class, and then when Kermit starts his class, I'm gonna go and uh, do a. I'm gonna go for a jog. I'm gonna go do a run. Okay. Uh, yeah. Work out. So basically, you manage to occupy your time. You have some good meals. 
you teach some classes, you get to know the crew. Um, uh, you, you, you don't remember all of their names immediately, but you know, uh, there are females on board the ship as well. So no hanky panky. <laughs> There's no privacy no, 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 on board know, the ship was, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Those are very, uh, you know. Um, which also means that as far as your sleeping conditions, it takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, because these, these crew people work hard and uh, they like to relax and they're all very good at being as private as they can be without making noise, without irritating one another, because, you know, this whole thing could turn into a big fist fight if they all got irritated and that can't happen. Which is why I'll very carefully and gently break the news to Jack, where it's like, hey, I know you really want to learn this stuff, but unfortunately, if anything down there incapacitates me, we're probably all dead anyway. <laughs> True, but yeah. still. If, if I can have a 1% chance to help out in an emergency, that's better than a zero. Well, I can, um, I can pilot a little bit, but Oh, well, good. you guys aren't strangers to one another either, so you've worked together many times. Oh, okay, yeah. So you probably so. do show each other how to do things. And the heavy drink, I forgot. I know how to go forward, back, to the sides, and up, and down. Okay. Remember, in an emergency, the most important direction is generally up. Up, uh, yeah. <laughs> and just uh, sit there, sit and speed. Don't want to go up too quick. So before we move on, is there any particular department or anybody that you'd like to talk to or chat with or learn from or, or just nobody in particular? Okay. Um, I like I said, I'll, I'll try and get a good relationship with the, with the crew, um, eat with them, that kind of stuff, especially those that are around kind of where our bunk is. I might try and, um, uh, chat with uh, the Corman's assistant, um, Matthias. Matthias Adams. Yeah. Uh, he's find... he's fairly young. Uh, yeah. In fact, you find out that he's probably 22 and uh, very eager to learn and uh, very eager to do all these things. Uh, the Cormans, they're, they're, they're pretty much, they learn everything that they can learn. Mm. Um. There's also mechanics and electricians and navigators and, and all of that. But like I said, there's 120 crew. So there's a lot of people on board. Um, a complete mix. Some of them are quieter. Some of them are funnier. Some of them are louder. But they all work very well together because they've been trained to. All right. Does anything seem off with the, the crew? Do, do, do... No. They seem very efficient. Okay. Um, the one thing, though, that you have kind of learned is stay off the bridge. Um, the captain is no nonsense. He wants a clean ship. He, uh, he runs it. Um, perhaps uh, you get a comment from uh, uh, James Byron, the, uh, the lieutenant commander, that the captain is an outstanding captain. Um, 
but he's a hard ass and uh, the crew is used to that and they do, you know, they, they obey and he stays somewhat separated from the crew. He's aloof, uh, but that's typical of captains. They, you know, they don't joke around and fraternize with the crew very much. Uh, but other than that, everybody seems right on, uh, cheery, funny. They do what they can to keep themselves occupied and not bored and so forth. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Byram, is there supposed to be a cat on the ship? That's oh, not a cat. That's uh, part of the engine. Uh, put that back. <laughs> That's what makes the ship go. The nuclear uh, cats. Yeah, the nuclear cat. Yeah. All right. Day four. Jumping ahead to day four. Um, what are y'all doing? We'll all alternate and teach a class in marine biology because I'm a fucking amazing marine biologist. Is that an official like university term? Yeah, <laughs> I brought that from UCLA. Over He's, got He's got an FA. He's got an FA. It's on his name tag. It's after um, <laughs> his doctoral letters and, and okay. stuff. You're teaching a class. Uh, James, what are you doing? Let's see, I will probably be reading a book on one of the computers. Probably okay. something about sailing ships or something. Right. Kermit? Um, I'm going to try and listen for for whale echolocation through the hull. Okay. I'm just going just gonna to periodically press my ear up against the hull and see what I can listen. listen All right. To. Um... Do a listen roll. Huh. I'm pretty sure they're playing Mambo number five in the uh in the in the galley. Huh. What'd you get actually? Eighty four. Okay. Well like, what like you get is roll. What you get is the is is a very distinct and rhythmic sound, a droning sound. That's the engine, um, and it it it's it's almost hypnotic. The sound. Um, it's something that if you were having that piped into your earphones, you'd probably fall asleep. Not any trouble at all. Judah, what are you doing? Um. I'll possibly go meet with the uh, the engineer people um, just to kind of make sure that everything's all good with the submersible and um, and uh, go over like the plan if, if something does go wrong and that kind of whole situation. I'm also going to talk to the weapons guys. Okay. Um, all right. So, Jack, you're teaching your FA class, and um, as your class is finishing, you notice one of the, the men, one of the crew, uh, who was taking your class uh, is sitting in the back, sort of doing this, 
And as you approach him, he doesn't look very good. He's kind of pale. Excuse me, sir. Are you okay? Uh, Yeah, just just a bit of a headache. Uh, Yeah, not feeling so great. Um, Do you think maybe you just just need need some water? Maybe uh, are you uh, are you still have some off duty time? Maybe to stretch out, or should? uh, yeah, I should probably do that. I hope I'm not getting a cold or anything. Oh, my name is Ernest, Ernest Wheeler. Oh, hi, Ernest. Yeah. Do you think you need a hand back to your uh, to your bunk, or do you think I should have uh, the corpsman check in well, with you? Maybe take me to the corpsman. Yeah, let's... I, I thought that was, it was really interesting what you were saying about uh, the way sound travels underwater. I mean, I suppose that's that's what what our uh, sonar works on and and so forth. So you're walking down the you're walking down the uh, the hallway together. Uh, uh, Jack, do a spot hidden. Oh yeah, certainly. All my years of surfing comes to this. Yeah, sixty one. That's an amazing uh, fail. All right. Um, you get about halfway to the corpsman and the guy stumbles a little bit. Oh, hey, here. I try to quickly brace him, catch him. Like he's uh, a little, uh, he's like, oh, I got dizzy there for a minute. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, good call. We definitely need to get you to the corpsman. We're almost there. All right. Do I know where I'm going, hopefully? Yeah, there's kind of a, a sick bay, a rudimentary okay. sick bay. Alright, um, so I'm gonna make sure I help him get there. Uh you get him there, uh just as Dr. Uh Dr. Lane uh is uh fixing something up and he's like, Oh, what do we have here? Uh this gentleman he's he was uh, complaining of a headache, just feeling kinda getting all pale. He stumbled in the hallway. So mm-hmm. uh I think you should check him out, Doc. Uh, have a seat there, Mr. Wheeler. Um, take off your shirt. Um, you know, I'll hang out, make sure he's okay. If he, if the doc needs anything, I can act as liaison. Well, uh, he, uh, he takes a look at him, has him stick out his tongue. Now, when he sticks out his tongue, you notice that there's kind of a greenish tinge to his tongue. It's not, not really bad, but it's icky. Um, Doesn't look normal. And he's like, well, what have you been eating? You know, you've been eating a lot of vegetables or no, not particularly. And you know, it sounds like his meal's ready. He takes off his shirt and you notice that here on his arm, there is uh, a rash. Uh, the rash uh, looks um, irritated. Kind of like, well, like pink and, and puffy. Yeah, yeah, kind of pink and puffy. And he says, well, you lie down here. And we'll see if we can get you like something to put on that. Uh, and he says, uh, Mr. Cousteau, I, uh, I don't think I need any more help. Thank you very much. Um, wash your hands. Oh, certainly, certainly. So I go to the washing station, scrub up. If there's any sanitizer, I squirt it on and, uh, yeah. and I'd be on my way. All right, take care, Mr. Wheeler. I hope you feel better. You're in good hands with Doc. 
Judah. You said you wanted to talk to the people in engineering. Yeah. All right. So you're walking around, you're heading towards engineering and you've gotten used over the last couple of days of noticing people working on the ship. Okay. Like they told you, you don't wait for anything to break. You know, once this part is one month old, they replace it with a brand new part and yeah. it just happens constantly. So you're used to seeing people, engineers and so forth around the ship. So you, you, you're walking down a corridor and up ahead of you in the corridor is a, a ship's engineer and he's got his, uh, his bag and his stuff uh, to do maintenance work. And he's got part of the, the panel open uh, that he should be working on. But he's not working on it. He's standing, facing away from you, with his hands and his head and his ear up against the side of the ship. Just like Kermit did the other day. And he's just, he's, he's just not moving. He's just breathing quietly and doing this. And he doesn't hear you come up behind him. Um, so I'm going to stop and, and, and I'll try and listen. No, I'm not putting my head on the wall, but I'm just going to try and listen normally. Um, I might put my hand on the wall to see if I can feel a vibration of any kind or anything like that. You can hear the ship and you can okay. feel the vibration of the, the engines. Um, um, I guess I'll, I'll speak then. Uh, everything okay there? Oh, oh. He, it's almost like he wakes up and he looks over at you and he goes, Oh, hi. And he goes back to working on what he was doing. Uh, uh, you're Mr. Locke, aren't you? Yeah. Um, what were you, uh, what were you listening to there? Just listening, listening to the ship. Uh, Sometimes nothing, uh, I like the sound. Oh, okay. You know, one of the guys is uh don't is, um, don't 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 tell anyone that I was not working. It's okay. It's okay. Ease up. Ease up. I'm not a uh, I'm not the high brass. Okay. Now I was just gonna say uh, one of uh, one of my colleagues. He he he's the same. He likes uh, he puts his air to the to the ship and listens. You ever hear anything strange out there? Like what? I don't know. You ever hear the whales? Oh, yeah. We've heard the whales. You don't need to put your head up against the wall to hear them. Yeah. 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 So, well, um, I, I got to get back to my work. Thank you. Yeah, you, you need any help? Oh, uh, no, no. I'm cool. Uh, can I eat? Uh, does he have his name on his back? Uh, sure. Like that? Uh, um, uh, Louis Russell. Louis Russell. Okay. Um, so I'm, uh, do I know who's the head of engineering that I'm looking for? 
Uh, head of engineering is uh, Mark Memminger. Okay, so I'll probably ask. Uh, wait, hey, uh, is, uh, do you know if uh, Memminger is going to be uh, down in engineering? Uh, yes, he should be. Uh, thanks. You, uh, you stay safe there, eh? All right. uh, and then I'm going to go around the corner, wait for like a few minutes, and then stick my head back down the corridor to see if he's back Speak. listening to the wall. He is. Standing there with his hands against it. Can I do a psych roll? I don't what? have great psychology, but a psychology. Sure, role. sure. Just, just to see if it's like. No, oh, that's a fail. No, that's a big fail. It just looks weird. It just looks weird. Yeah. Um, I'll kind of shake my head and then continue on to, um, to manager. All right. Um, we'll soon you talk to manager. Do you have anything you want to talk to him about, or should we just go forward? Just uh, you know, make sure like uh, go over the 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 plan of if the boat um goes out of you know if we lose contact or anything, what his what he's going to do and and that kind of thing. So we've got a we've got the game plan. Yeah, just regular stuff he, he talks about. Um, and then I'll probably mention to him that uh, I'll, I'll probably mention that Russell uh, might need uh, might need some rest because he was acting a bit strange. Strange how? Well, uh, well, I was coming down like the, the corridor. He um, he was like he had his his air up up against the the ship and he was like leaning against it and he didn't even hear me coming up it wasn't until i spoke that he he snapped out of it and then i turned around i came to look for you but i, I waited for a few minutes and looked back and he was doing it again hmm, i don't know i'll talk to him about it it sounds like he's just wasting time it's not like him though well i thought you uh thought you uh you better know either either way all right, thank you. That's right. All right, let's see. Um, nothing else happens to any of you. Uh, the next day. So what are we on now? We're on day uh, five. So for uh, breakfast, I, I just sort of mentioned in a hushed voice to our crew, like what I experience with the poor gentleman who got sick and like the condition i don't mention his name or anything i just sort of mention it it looked rather i'd never seen a green tongue like that before with the ooze well um the other gentlemen look a little concerned uh just because any mention of sickness on board the ship means everybody's got to wash their hands. Everybody's got to make sure that, uh, you know. I, I only mention it to the, the, the four of us, the, the three. The, oh, you're the, mentioning it to them. Okay. Kermit, Judah, and so, James, that's it. So you guys are all talking together at breakfast. Yeah, yeah. and I keep it down. I, I, I don't, I mean, yeah. You're trying to tell me somebody has coronavirus on the submarine? That's terrible. <laughs> Oh, it's 2020. Uh, uh, yeah, it is right. 2020. 
and I thought we were safe from all the, well, you know, we're, we're still probably in one of the better places right now. Uh, probably. Yeah. I like your optimism, Kermit. Um, huh. Would, uh, Jack's description of the, uh, the, the illness kind of remind me of anything? From, no, I, I've never encountered, okay. That's really, that's a strange one. You think it's something he ate? I'm not sure. I just, it, it, uh, he had a rash as well. So I'm thinking, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a, a contagious disease. It, it does sound something like maybe he's an allergic reaction. I, I bet you're right. It's probably something he ate. Mm. I, um, I encountered something kind of weird yesterday. Actually, I was, uh, heading down to engineering to, um, speak with Miminger about uh about you know the the game plan and um one of the one of the engineers he was he was acting real strange like what like just nervous or what was he showing signs of sickness too or no no he was doing a kermit um a, a what now like a hi-ho <laughs> nope <laughs> He was turned to Kermit. You know how that you know how we all said it to Kermit when he like he goes and listens to the wall? Which it's is helpful. I mean, for Kermit that's fine, but for a guy oh. who's meant to be working oh, on I always thought of, I always thought of Kermit somehow involved the banjo. I don't know, Kermit, I, can you I, play I, the banjo? Are are you guys making fun of me? No. Most of the time, yeah. Well Yeah. Well, they they actually teach that in marine biology courses to listen oh. to the walls and such. Yeah, but uh, he was he got he didn't even hear me coming up on him and, and things. And then when I hmm. did speak to him, and then I I looked back, he was he was back doing it again. It was real strange. Huh. Especially if he's meant to be changing up the parts, they don't have time to dilly dally and and you know. And he was just. Well, really... I think that's the most concerning part about it. Um, yeah. I mean, underwater noises are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, they are. I might right. want. I mean, if he's just slacking off, it's it's whatever. I mean, trying to yeah, occupy but, uh, his I time mean, one we've, way or the other. We've been on this boat for uh, what for five days, and and I haven't seen any of these guys slacking off. These men and women, they're they're here for a job, and they're doing it when they have the time off. They have the time off. It's. I'm just saying, it's it's it seemed out of place. It's, I thought it was worth mentioning. Oh, so we have we have one guy that has a rash and another guy that's listening to the ship, and a gooey green tongue. Ooh, and a gooey like, green tongue. Yeah, like a frog almost. But so should we like hmm. you know maybe get a flashlight and start telling each other each other ghost stories? I mean, I, I, I think you guys are maybe a little too worried. I'm not worried. Just let you know what I saw. Now, um. You guys are in the mess, uh, having breakfast, and people are coming and going. Uh, but James, just as you said that uh, bit about we got a guy in the, in the, we got one crew member who's sick in the, uh, the, the sick bay. Um, a voice comes from behind you. Now we have two, and uh, 
Doc Lane has wa just walked in the door and he hear hears you say that. Wow, your it's, timing is impeccable. He says, we have, uh, we have two now. Two? Is it just like hmm. the gentleman from yesterday? Same, yep, same pretty symptoms? much. Uh, same symptoms, different rash, different part. Oh, well, different part of his body that he's got the rash on. Is he and, some uh, form of food poisoning? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to backtrack and see where Mr. Wheeler's been. <coughs> Mr. Wheeler seems to be getting a little bit worse. Um, the rash seems to have spread over most of his chest. Well, I know this might sound like a stupid question, but is there, would there be, you know, any way where they were in the same place in the submarine? Well, I'm sure they were at some point. They were in the submarine. The submarine's a finite place. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to figure out, uh, Jack, would you mind if I uh, took a look at your tongue? Oh, sure. Yeah, no worries. You were in close contact with him. Um, hmm. You haven't licked any doorknobs recently, have you? I don't you see any. I uh... mean, I shouldn't have been. Oh, no, no, not recently. And, and don't worry about Kermit. He always looks a little green. No, uh, huh. it's not easy being green. Um, uh, it, does it look bad, Doc? Jack, do you feel fine? Yeah, you feel okay? I, I know I don't see any greenness. Do you have any rashes, any itches? I think I feel fine. All right. Anybody else? Anybody have any rashes? No. I don't want to. Got an itch? Um, no. Nah, I. What's the uh, the other? You said there's two people sick. What's the name of the uh, the new patient? Ned Groller. Same department. Uh, no, different different department. What department's Ned in? Sorry, what's that? What department is Ned in? Uh, he's in uh, uh, electrical. And then uh, Wheeler was in what department? Uh, Wheeler is in uh, weapons. Okay. Uh, well, I guess the. Hmm. Have you ever seen anything like this before, Doc? No, not like this. And it couldn't be. It couldn't be radiation, could it? Uh, no. No, that's completely different. And he has it on the tongue, too? I mean, also. we're all being exposed to low-level radiation on board this ship. We have a nuclear core, um, but it's it's fairly low. You know, they didn't let pregnant women... I'm, why would they have let you, pregnant uh, women on board the submarine? They used to not let women on board the submarine because of the nuclear core, but they do now. It's not enough radiation. Probably get more radiation from the sun. Um... What? Get more radiation off the sidewalk. Yeah. What um? Did you ask the guys where they've been? How they might have? Yeah, pretty much. They've. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm tracing back through there. They both come in here, but uh, everybody comes in here. Yeah, exactly. And of course, we um, keep hanging around Jack, so you know. And so far, it's just the two of them. Um, have you guys seen anything else unusual going on on board the ship? You guys seem to wander around a lot, so. Yeah, I did see uh, one kind of strange thing. What's that? Um, guy named uh, Russell, works for engineering. Okay, Mr. Russell, yeah. Yeah, he uh, 
was meant to be working on the ship and he um he asked me not to say but you know uh he um he wasn't work he was meant to be working on the ship but he had his head up against the wall and and seemed to be listening he had no idea i was even near him until i spoke hmm. um and then i left him but i i waited for a few moments and then looked back down the corridor and he was listening to the wall again it just seemed strange it didn't seem like the kind of thing that uh a lot of these guys, they don't slack up on their job. You know, if they got a job to do, they do it. That's true. But, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, not sure what that would indicate, but thanks for telling me. Um, Maybe just probably just something. Everybody listens once in a while to the side of the ship. They want to hear what the ship sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I give, I give a, a knowing look to Kermit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Hey, whales, man. All right. Um, I would like each of you to do a, a luck roll. Let's see who gets the highest. 17 out of... Where's my luck? There's out of 50. Yeah, so that's a hard. 38 out of 50? Uh, 47 out of 50. Uh, I got a 84 out of 50. Okay. So, Jack. All right. Once again, the rest of the day seems um, uneventful, boring. Uh, you guys tend to wander around a bit just to get to stretch your legs and so forth. Um, but, Jack, do a spot hidden for me. I excel at that. Here we go, 43. Did we nail it? Spot hidden. Yeah, out of 50. Boom. All right. It doesn't strike you as odd, um, but there's a moment in the late afternoon when you're walking about the ship. You're heading up towards the front, um, and you see, realize that you guys are never in an empty room. I mean, it's there's always people everywhere. So you're, you're sort of walking along. You've come to uh, some of the crew quarters and, uh, I don't know, Jack, maybe you're getting ready to rest a bit, take a nap, whatever. And you're looking down at the other end and you notice uh, the captain. And he's talking to one of the members of the crew. Uh, you're not sure exactly who. Uh, looks like a couple of you know different guys. It, it's one guy. It just a lot of people look the same. Do, do, does the uniform look like a, a an officer? Or? Looks like a junior officer. That's oh. what your guess would be. One of the junior officers. Um, the junior officer is handing the captain something and at first you think that he's handing him a briefcase but you realize just in that moment of a glance that he's handing him a big book um looks like an old-fashioned bible a big thick book leather bound and uh 
the captain the captain seems to thank him for it and then turn around and walk away and the crewman goes back to whatever he was doing and, and he walks away also um and like i see you don't really think anything about it but it sticks in your mind interesting All right. So other than that, nothing interesting happens. Uh, next day. It's now day six. Are we having dinner with the uh, with the captain at all? Ah, okay, there is something that happens. On day five, when you go to dinner at the officer's mess, the captain's not there. Huh. Interesting. Um, your, your, uh, the executive officer, uh, Lieutenant Commander James Byron, explains the captain is busy and he can't come. So he, he sends his apologies. Oh, I wonder if he's, if he's reading that, uh, that really neat new book of his. Book? Well, he okay. does like to read. Uh, I don't know about that, but he said that he can't be bothered tonight, so oh, we'll just have to enjoy ourselves otherwise. Yeah. Speaking of books, everybody, anybody read any good books lately? I know. Well, I, just, I, I, I just picked up one from the library. I'll, uh, I'll give it a read and let you know what, what I think. Cool. All right, nothing much happens this evening. Uh, next day, you're at breakfast again. You guys want to talk about anything? Do I notice the captain? Nope. Does he usually have breakfast down here? Um, sometimes he shows up. Not, not. You haven't seen him for a couple of days now. Okay. Huh. Okay. Well, if it's so, what day is this? It's day six. You're on day six. Um, I'm going to go check in with Doc um, and make sure, it, uh, see if it's just still the two cases. Yeah, I'll go with you, Judah. Yeah. Kind of curious, too. All right. So you get to Doc, Doc's place, the, the sick bay. Now he has three. Three, huh? Three of them. The third one being Harold Pierce. Um, How's the first patient? Much worse. Uh, he is covered in blisters um, from his neck uh, down to his legs. Um, and they have turned a shade of bright green. Oh, I take a couple steps back, uh, put my um, hand. Uh, he has him somewhat isolated. Uh, uh, and his breathing has become very uh, difficult. Um, Doc doesn't have a clue what this is. Um, the uh, the second guy, Ned Roller, uh, he is in like uh, like uh, like Ernest Wheeler was the day before, and Harold Pierce, the new one, uh, he's like uh, Ernest Wheeler was the first day. And where's uh, where's Harold? Uh... 
what's his look like with Ewick? Uh, Harold Wheeler, uh, he is in, uh, he's one of the radio operators, radio operators. On the bridge? I don't think it's in the bridge, but maybe wherever the, the radio is. Okay. Have you, have you, con have you contacted, um, the, like, um, jo um, Byron and stuff like that to let him know Captain. that we possibly had the captain. Exactly. Uh, the, 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 the officers are always informed of everything going on, yes. Okay. Because I guess it's kind of hard. We can't really quarantine here. Um, like I said, we do our best we can, but I've only got three beds and that's it. So I don't know if I'm going to do if somebody else gets this. Um, it seems to be progressing very strangely because we're only getting one person sick yeah. a day. Have you, what are, can you, how, uh, what was Harold's movements like from, from yesterday? What did he do? Um, he goes over it with you, but there, it just seems like right. a completely different pattern than the other two. Did he ever have any contact with the previous it's hard to tell once again the mess actually they're on different shifts so mm. no so each one of them's on a different shift no uh, the first two are on the same shift okay is harold an officer harold is no he's just a crewman So I don't know what to do about this. Um, we need to go on with the mission, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to have to make this a somewhat of a quarantine area. Yeah. Um, but if tomorrow one person comes down with this, then I am completely baffled. All have, I can have, think of is that somebody is doing this. Have uh, blood tests come back yet? Uh, we don't have very much, very well, good facilities for something like that. But uh, so you think it, you might, it might have some foul play to it, like someone slipping something. I don't know, a poison, a toxin, or something they're coming into contact with. Um, I, I, I don't really have the facilities to identify what this could be. All I can do is try and control the symptoms and slow them down but I don't seem to be having any effect at all so far. Hmm. And I'll admit on the first day, I came into direct contact with the, the rash and I don't have it. Yeah, and I apparently don't have it either. Yeah. Granted, I, I scrubbed down and, and sanitized pretty well afterwards. But It almost looks like acid burns. Oh. You know, but or chemical burns of some sort. Are they did they mention that they woke up with the rash? Uh, they didn't say one way or the other. It seemed to develop at some point during the day. So maybe they're getting while they sleep. Oh, weird. That's very very weird. Hey All Jack, right. um, do you want to do me a favor? Yeah, what are you talking? 
What are you thinking, Judah? Uh, come with me. And I'm going to uh, obviously say goodbye to the doc. Um, I want to take Jack to where I saw Russell listening to the wall. Sure. And I'm going to say, if you put your head up there, do you hear anything out of the norm? Like anything that doesn't sound like it shouldn't be there? Sure. I'll go, uh, I'll go give it a listen. Sounds like the humming of the ship. Doesn't sound, yeah. Doesn't sound any like anything particularly out of the ordinary. Okay, so that that means it wasn't just something that was specifically to this. Kermit, uh, you are walking down one of the corridors. Uh, you step through a bulkhead door. And in the room ahead of you, uh, the corridor ahead of you, there are two crew members, a man, a, a male and a female crew member. And both of them are, uh, not only have their head and their hands against the walls of the ship, but they're actually leaning on the curve of the ship. They're pressing their bodies up against the ship's hull. And they seem blank. Like they're hypnotized. Hmm. Oh, hi. Uh, what, what you listening for? And they, they immediately sort of blink their eyes and they look at you and they, they pull away from the wall and they're like, oh, oh sorry, sorry like this and uh they go back to is there was there did you hear anything cool um no 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 just 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 ignore that that hmm. uh, we were just we were just resting oh well and they uh, look okay they, they look oddly guilty i'll i'll press my ear up against r- roughly where they were to sounds like the ship. Hmm. Do a luck roll. Eighty-eight. Yeah, just, just seems like the ship. I haven't rolled outside of eighties yet. <laughs> <laughs> James, you also are walking along a corridor. When you come on a crew member um, pressed up against the side of the, the ship, it, it, it's, it's almost as if they're trying to get as much of their body pressed up to the side of the ship as they can get. And they don't notice you until you say something. I'm, I'm... And then they sort of... I'm not going to say anything. Okay. I'm going to go up kind of next to them and, s- and listen. Nothing. I mean, just the ship. Huh. I'm going to leave this person here and go track down uh, the corpsman. Go get Doc. Okay. And lead him here. See if he's still here. 
all right. So he's like, you know, so what do you what do you want to show me? And he looks and he's like, and he walks up to the person and moves around them, and they seem to be completely hypnotized. And he's like, crewman. And suddenly the person jumps to attention. And he's like, what are you doing? Um, nothing, sir. What do you mean nothing? We're leaning up against the wall. Um, I'm sorry, sir. I was just resting. He looks over at you. Um, I want you to report for a physical examination uh, this afternoon. You understand? Yes, sir. So what is going on? You know, what Judah was talking about, if we walk away and leave them and we come back, is he back listening to the wall? Um, let's see. Um, he doesn't. He he goes away. He goes down the court. Okay. He goes away. What the hell is happening on this ship? I don't know. Maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's something to it. I think we should probably talk to the captain. Um, have your your friends also noticed some of these strange things going on? Yeah, Sruta was the one who pointed it out to us at first. All right. Um, why don't we all convene in the mess mess room uh, in uh, twenty minutes if we can find the if you can find your other friends? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go find him. All right. So fifteen minutes go by. You all you all end up back in the uh, back in the mess hall and. Um, the doc comes in, uh, but he's got uh, the executive officer, James Byron, with him. And he says, well, gentlemen, uh, uh, let's talk about this. We've apparently got uh, some people coming down with some sort of creeping green disease. And we've got, uh, pass uh, we've got people who are putting their bodies up against the vibrations of the ship. Um, something is going on here, and we can't identify what it is but we also can't turn around or do anything about it at the moment. We need to monitor it. We need to isolate it, but we need to keep the ship running. Um, I tried to talk to the captain, but he is currently uh, working on our uh, navigation and he doesn't want to be disturbed. Um, um, it's just not a good idea to disturb him at the moment. Um, I'm not exactly sure what we do. Please uh, report anything else that you see. Well, that's, I mean, this is pretty serious situation in the cap. I mean, I understand navigation is an important thing, but he's not showing any interest whatsoever, doesn't want to come and... Um, the captain is his own man, and when he gives me an order, I follow it, so I don't really have any choice. That appreciate that. I just think it's I haven't had a captain who would make uh, make that decision. The safety of his crew, um, health and safety of his crew uh, should be paramount. 
Um, and I, I make it quite clear that uh, I, because I'm no longer enlisted, I'm making it quite clear that I think this captain is being insubordinate without saying it. I'm, yeah. Right. And you understand that the that the officer can't say anything disparaging against yeah. the captain. Yeah. So he hears what you have to say and he, he you know, but he can't make any comments on it. Oh. Um, and uh, and they leave you with that. Um, day seven. Uh, another person becomes ill. They're lining up one after the other. Um, but always just one. You notice... Uh, uh, Mr. William Anderson, uh, John Sanchez, Richard Walker, uh, uh, Robert Cooper, all of them at one point or another just leaning up against the wall, pressing themselves up against it uh, in one corridor or another. All the other ones that you saw doing it are, are doing the same. They don't do it for long and they don't do it forever, but they, and they don't like getting caught but it's the same weird behavior. Um, the doctor becomes somewhat over, he can't do anything about it. He's trying very hard to control it, to isolate these people. Um, but it's becoming, uh, it's like the slowest epidemic, he says, that he's ever seen because it only seems, the, 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 the real damaging one is the, the green, the people with the green, uh, creeping rash, uh, and they're only it's one one at a time. Uh, day seven, same thing happens. Day eight, more people. And On day nine, just as you are clearing the Falkland Islands, uh, he announces to you that Ernest Wheeler dies. Uh, the first guy who was infected. Hmm. And he says, if it if it's going to pros go in the same pattern, then they should be dying one after the other, one day apart. Day ten, you arrive at the trench. Did we have our second uh, death? Uh, yes, second death. Oh, jeez. Um, now through the whole thing. The captain, uh, and perhaps at some point you tried to talk to the captain. Uh, the captain was uh, very, like he said, hard ass. Um, he wasn't interested in uh, discussing any of this with you, uh, that he has crews that take care of these kind of problems. He doesn't want to be bothered with them. He has navigation problems. He needs to do the navigation. This is an extremely important thing. And you find that he is driving his crew. He is driving them to get this whole operation done as quickly as possible. Um, he begins, now that you've arrived at the trench, to meticulously navigate the trench to try and locate this nuclear signature. Um, back and forth, he goes across the trench, trying to make readings, trying to get it closer. 
And finally, on uh, uh, on the uh, day eleven, uh, he locates a signal, and he uh, uh, the chief petty off. I mean, the the chief uh, uh, executive officer. He informs you that they think they've found the signal, and that it seems to be moving, <coughs> still not very quickly, uh, but moving uh, northward at a, at a rate of only about uh, 10 miles a day, which is extremely slow. Um, and the, the trench is like 900 miles long, so you know, um, you're fine. Uh, they're positioning themselves above it. And as soon as you guys are in position, uh, you also notice that the captain's demeanor changes completely. He suddenly becomes completely disinterested in the navigation. And he chooses, now that that job's done, to just go back to his cabin and close the door and not pay attention anymore. So Byron's more or less in charge at this point. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so now you guys come into play. Uh, you need to prepare your submersible uh, to go down uh, to the bottom. There are a dozen crew that seem completely obsessed with pressing themselves up against the side of the ship. Um, and that number has gotten larger faster. Uh, there have now been, let's see, seven people infected with whatever this is. Uh, Ernest has died, Sam has died and Ned has died. So, Do any of the other crew members that witnessed other crew members listening to the side of the hull, are they seeing, seeing that as odd? Yeah. It seems to be the most bizarre compulsion. All right. So, the time has come. What are you going to do? You've got your your ship. Well, if 12 people out of 120 are, are listening to the side of the ship, that's, that's only 10%. So I feel, I feel sort of confident, pretty confident that we can. Three people have died. Yeah. Well, still, if we combine those that are infected and those that are having the, the obsession with listening to the side of the hole, we still have over 80% of the crew that are... They could shift their schedules around so that they're covering for... Yeah. So I think this is still a good idea to go ahead with this mission, but if it, if it gets a lot more, then, yeah, we can't be diving. Well, let's, I mean... We found this thing. We came all this way. We should do this. So just go through with it. Otherwise, it's, it's all been a waste, including those people who died. Exactly. So, so we go. So, uh, yeah, we're up for it. 
Let's go. Right. So where you are, there's still light you know, outside uh, in the water. Uh, you get into your submersible, you power it up, you, dis you detach, and you start down. Uh, what, you're, what you're heading for is 6,000 meters uh, below the surface. That is going to take you about 90 minutes. Um, very quickly, the light fades to nothing. It's pitch black outside. Um, there are observation windows in your ship. Um, they're very thick so that they don't crack under the pressure. Uh, you begin to see, of course, uh, the very strange uh, blinking, glowing creatures that uh, exist down in the, the darkness. Um, uh, your lights illuminate strange-looking fish as you go down. And uh, slowly you, you approach what you think is the area where this signal is coming from. Um, you're in direct communication with uh, everything going on up, up in the, the submarine. And all of a sudden, there seems to be um, some sort of commotion going on aboard the ship. Um, you can hear it as you're talking to the radio person. Um, Chief Petty, uh, I keep calling him Chief Petty Officer, uh, the Executive Officer, uh, James Byron, gets on the line and uh, he says, uh, gentlemen, uh, we may have a problem here aboard the ship, but uh, uh, are you able to see anything? Are you able to pinpoint anything? And when you actually look out and you are filming this, you can see a distant greenish sort of glow in the water uh, far ahead down there. Uh, but the shape, the murkiness of the water here, you can't see it very clearly, uh, but you're moving towards it. Um, he says, uh, uh, we, we have secluded the captain. Uh, there seems to be something wrong with him. Uh, uh, we don't know exactly what, uh, but there, as soon as we can get this over with, we can head for the Falkland Islands and base there, at least temporarily, and hopefully get some medical treatment for it. And suddenly the, the, the communication goes dead. And it's silent for a second in the water. And all of a sudden your whole boat rocks back and forth and you hear in the water what sounds like uh, a concussion of some sort going off and that's it um, after a couple of seconds there's some crackling uh, there is a last communication from the submarine that the captain uh, went to the torpedo room and launched a torpedo without opening the torpedo launch tube. 
and blew the front end off of the submarine. That they're going down, mayday, mayday, they're going down. Um, and just as you're hearing that, and you are looking out the window, you see this, uh, this green glow uh, slowly heading towards the debris that is falling through the, uh, the water all around you. Uh, and it looks like this. Holy shit. It's huge. Uh, sanity. Sanity check. Sanity check. <laughs> what the hell? 22, I passed. 26. I passed. Um, uh, I failed. Okay. If you pass 1d4, if you fail 1d8. That was the first roll that wasn't an 80. <laughs> Two. All right. Um, what do you do? This thing I turn is all the lights off. I turn off all the lights. All okay. The Just yeah, go, go, go dead in the water. Yeah. Full stop. All right. Um, engine off. Jack's off. Jack. God, did you see that? I have never seen anything like that. That's that uh, submarine that's up above you is sinking towards your position. Are we in, so, are we, are we, we going to be in danger of it hitting us? Yeah, we Possibly. need to give a wide berth. James, do you think you can avoid this? Oh, uh, I will try. All right. Do a piloting skill. Yep, I'm going to try to escape. <laughs> the most important role. I know I said in emergencies you want to go up, but since there's a submarine, use your luck if you have to. I'm going forward. <laughs> I'm going forward um, and down. <laughs> I, I'm frantically taking taxonomy. A forty is a pass. Okay, uh, you managed to avoid any debris that's dropping down, uh, and of course you're being very careful. In your in your piloting, but the others, as you're watching, you can see that as the this submarine is crashing down, that the uh, whatever it is, giant sea slug thing, uh, has moved forward and wrapped itself in part around the hull, and is probably eating the crew. Oh my um, God. I think that it's probably safe. I'll give it to you just this way that you manage to get your submarine back up to the surface. And I don't know what the protocols are for decompression or all that stuff, but we'll say that you do those all and you somehow manage to survive. Uh, you survive this encounter. You manage to get to Argentina or whatever. And holy shit. <laughs> and that's the gets the end of it. Oh my god. I might need to switch careers. Oh my word. <laughs> Alright, so here's what it was. The thing is Galaki. Or an avatar of Galaki. Oh. At the bottom of the sea. 
And what it's doing is it's going through its mating cycle, which causes it for some reason to give off this radiation. And that's what the uh, satellites were picking up. Um, as you were traveling, uh, a member of the crew, uh, the, uh, one of the, the junior navigation officer, uh, Aaron Rumsey, was a cultist. And he had just finished reading uh, the, what is it called? Uh, oh, crap. The something of Tadaki. It's come up in a number of our stories. The Revelations of Galaki. And one of the magic things that he's learned is the creeping green death. And he has been sacrificing people one by one by giving them the, the, the creeping green death. That was the people who were getting sick. Um, but as you were slowly approaching Galaki, uh, you were coming, you were slowly but surely coming under his influence. And the people who were coming his, under his influence would press themselves up against the ship because they wanted one of his spines to convert them into you know, a thrall of Galaki. And uh, they just couldn't help themselves. It was amazing that Kermit did that first. <laughs> it was like, that was just too cool. Well, um, I, I'm just here trying to be a, uh, a nerd. And uh, that's how it worked, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> ah, anyways. I was um, trying to look up uh, the, there's, uh, there's an actual name for it where if, if the captain of any vessel is not doing their duty, they can be um, they can be forcibly yeah, and I was like I, like I, this guy is not like, I, and I was gonna be like, you've got to get rid of this guy yeah. and, and he's not doing his job. Yeah. I, I was thinking that too. Usually that's the duty of the chief medical officer and there yeah. was no chief medical officer. There was just a mm -hmm. corpsman acting in his stead. Up until that point, um, the captain had been pretty much normal, but then Rumsey gave him the book to read. And then once he did that, the, the, the captain became obsessed with finding Galaki. And then once he found Galaki, he lost complete interest in it and then thought about blowing up the ship and sacrificing all of its men. Completely bananas. Our, our players included uh, Stuart Lively, uh, Zane Fleming, Morgan Llewellyn, and Brian Daly, uh, and myself as the Keeper of the Secrets, our current... Oh, boy. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a ritual listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to become a patron of our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure in the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good game.